Hello, 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 everybody. How the hell is it going? Welcome to a new episode of Oral Sessions with your girl, Renee Paquette. Um, this is a very exciting episode. We are back, baby. We've got some interviews lined up as we get set here for 2021. We are not messing around. We are taking the prisoners of this cap hunting. In today's episode of Oral Sessions is sponsored by Apostrophe a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Listen, I have always been ready to take my acne seriously, any kind of skin issue seriously. We do not play around when it comes to our skin. So prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. So you've got to take time off work. You got to go see a doctor. You sit in line at the pharmacy for all your medications until dun, 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 apostrophe. Apostrophe was born. An apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You get treatment immediately, and your medications are delivered to your home. It's so easy, so simple, amazing. So all you have to do is simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about skincare concerns and medical history. Then you just got to snap a few selfies, and uh, their dermatologist is going to get back to the customized treatment plan tailored just for you. Now, the best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications so that you can treat your acne from the inside out and outside in. Apostrophe treats acne, and they also help you hit all your other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. We're all battling one thing or another, you know, and it's nice to have Apostrophe and to be able to get into a dermatologist. I know anytime I think, like, if I have any kind of a skin issue, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, go to a dermatologist and I like to book it and then get to the appointment. And it's, it's just one thing after another. The fact that you can use apostrophe and do it from the comfort of your own home in your sweats with your hair up and no makeup on, that is the way to do it. Um, you know, it's just so nice to know that there's real dermatologists um, and that the plan is actually tailored to what I need. Ease of mind. I love that. So all you have to do is submit your visit very quickly. And then they schedule your appointment, get everything set up, and then everything just arrives at your house. It's fantastic. You know, I I wasn't really struggling with any acne at the time, but I've always dealt with some redness in my skin. So to be able to reach out to somebody at Apostrophe and just snap a few quick photos, it literally took me mere minutes to fill out the survey, upload some photos of my skin and send it out. And then my medication's at my door. You cannot go wrong. I'm sure you you guys want to give Apostrophe a try. So you guys get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash Renee and use our code Renee. This code is only available to our listeners, very exclusive. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash Renee, that's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash Renee and click begin visit. Then use the code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at sign up and you're going to get 15 smackaroos off your dermatologist visit. Check it all out. Use that code Renee and uh, get your dermatology visit for 15 bucks off uh, when we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this episode of Oral Sessions. Uh, so today, you guys might have seen me plug it on the old Twitter machine, but I'm sitting down with the Mad King himself. This man has wrestled everywhere. You know, safe for a few places. Don't worry, we get into it in the interview. I absolutely love sitting down with the one, the only, Eddie Kingston. I mean, this dude has had such a gigantic year. And by that year, I mean, it's really only been like five months since he assigned with AEW. And 
this dude, I, I just feel like I've not seen such an organic, gigantic growth of a wrestler just done like what he's been able to do in his time in AEW. And I find it fascinating. I find him fascinating. I find just the, the gravitational pull towards this man to be fascinating. Um, he's very transparent. He is who he is. I, I love being able to talk to him. So without further ado, let's just get to it. It's time for your ear holes to be filled, to be enjoying a little bit of the, the vocal stylings of Eddie Kingston, baby, who claims he's going to be the future AEW champion. So do with that what you may. Here you go. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm, we're recording this on a or it's Saturday. I thought it was Sunday for a second. It's Saturday, but you're watching football. I'm distracting you from that, but we're going to get through this. You would never distract me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I knew what I was doing when I said yes. I knew what was up. <laughs> well, I like that right off the bat that you sort of gave me that like family member um, s- s- status. I get yeah. these things through John, which is great. So I appreciate that very much. No, of course. Very much. Um, all right. So, dude, you going back to like July 22nd to then fast forwarding not very long to July 31st, you get signed to AEW. So that all happens very, very quick. Now you get listed on Sports Illustrated's top 10 wrestlers of 2020. How amazing is that? Uh, it's uh, mind blowing. It's humbling. Uh, the competitor in me, though, is like, well, I should be top five. <laughs> but that's just me being the competitor. I'm humbled by it. Yeah. I don't know. I always want more. Well, I appreciate that you have that hunger, but yeah, that's, damn, drive. I mean, that's why I'm still doing this for 19 years. Yeah. If I didn't have that drive, I would have quit after the first day I didn't get paid by a promoter. Um, okay, so your time in AEW, you have just been catapulted to the top, essentially. Did you expect things to kind of go the way that they did from the very first time that you debuted to where you're at now? Would you have anticipated that it would have caught on like wildfire the way that it has? No, because I don't even feel like it's caught on the wildfire yet. I don't know. I, I'm not the top guy there. You know what I mean? I'm not. I, it's just a weird mindset I have. Yes, I'm I'm excited. It took me off guard, but I still don't feel like it's, you know, crazy. If I would have finished 2020 main event in the last Dynamite or something, you know what I mean, with John or with Kenny or something, then I'd be like, okay. I hate when I do this because then people are like, oh, he's not humble. He's not appreciative. No, I am. I just, I just always want more before I'm done. Lord knows how long I'm going to be doing this. I don't think that it comes across that way at all. But I mean, I think from like the outside, like I said, it's like for you to have accomplished what you already have in AEW in those five months, moving on to like six months now, but like for you to have accomplished all of that and to already be sitting in such an amazing position that you know everybody's waiting for that next opportunity to come up. You had the AEW championship match with John. Um, you, you've had the TNT championship matchup with Cody. You've been in those talks. It's really just a matter of time for those things to start happening again. I just got to put in the work. That's the scary part. Cause I'm I honestly, I'm lazy. I don't want to do nothing when I'm home. No, that's bullshit. I don't think that that's true. There's no way that you could be where you are and say. Okay. Oh, well, I got, I, I, motiv- I motivate myself and I have a, a very small knit of friends who I consider family who motivate me and actually know how to talk to me to get me going. Who are some of those people? Uh, homicide's number one. That's my best friend. Uh, low key. 
is another one. You know what I mean? When I talk to Mox, he, he doesn't he motivates me by just him being him. You know what <laughs> I mean? Just making me laugh. Brody still motivates me. I think about my mom and dad and stuff like that. Just weird things like that run through my head when I'm like, okay, I'll get up. You know what I mean? My and my girlfriend motivates me. For the first time in my life, a girlfriend motivates me. Oh my God, I can't wait to pick your brain about that. We'll do that in a little bit because I love I love getting into the personal nitty-gritty, but we'll talk wrestling first. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. It's new. It's new. It's a whole new world for me. I look at her. I I'll just say this. I look at her all the time and I go, why? You can do so much better. <laughs> so before I even met you, John had you talk to me on the phone. I think you like we're talking some shit, something like that. I was like, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going on? Me to talk trash about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? You and John are obviously cut from the same cloth. And I can just like see that and feel like you guys are who you are. There's no bullshit. You're very transparent in who you are a thousand percent. And those people are very far and few between. So do not discredit yourself. But we're going to get into your whole love life. I cannot wait. Okay. So looking at everything with AEW, let's talk about the day that you got signed. Because you debuted and the internet went nuts. Do you think that that had anything to do outside of your performance that night for Tony Khan to say, hey, we have to have this guy on our roster? I think it was 50-50. And it blew my mind that it was for me. I just did what I was, what I love to do. It hit me hard when I sat down and thought about everything. I was like, okay, this is crazy. The wrestling community can be so supportive and when they really rally behind someone someone like yourself who they know has been grinding for so long it's really cool to see you know like wrestling and twitter in particular get such a bad rap sometimes but when they come together for the betterment of something it's incredible to see that power and what they're able to do for somebody but yeah just looking on the outside of that of them rallying for you then you get signed what was that phone call like with tony khan well actually i talked to uh, christopher daniels so they offered me the deal, and then I listened to the other side, I guess what you call them. <laughs> and uh, I was just weighing options. But then my mother was the final nail. She goes, you won't be happy over there, trust me. Why do you think she said that? Who knows me better than my mother? The bottom line with the whole thing is, I know more people at AEW, and I know there's a lot more heart there. I think for her, that's what she thought. She was like, I'm going to be with people who love it just as much as I do. I like that your mom's like privy to the inside of the business like that. Oh, I got to tell her. I got to tell her things. If I don't tell her stuff, I'll keep it inside. And if you know, I'll blow up at the wrong time. Mox can tell you a couple stories about me blowing up. <laughs> I'm sure he can. Um, so you did have a tryout with WWE before, right? Yeah. And how did that go? I thought it was fine. It was whatever. I was just me. Did this go down at the PC or did this happen like old school? Like you get in the ring and put on a match and like Undertaker and Randy Orton and all those guys are standing around. Oh, no, 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 no. This was the uh, PC. Okay. Jimmy Jacobs hooked me up with it. He was just like, hey, you want to try out? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. To me, that tryout was really more for the uh, for the May Young Classic because it was the biggest class they had for females. So I was like, all right, I get it. This is for the females. I'm just going to go in and have fun. And that's why I looked at it. So I said a couple of things. That <laughs> what did you say? Give us the dirt. You can give us the PC version if you want. Oh, well, I'll give you the one I like the most. They had someone filming and uh, Drake Younger grabbed me out of nowhere. And he was like, King, tell him how hard this drill is. It was some dumb drill. And I was like, yeah, it was hard. 
I've had people shoot at me, try to stab me with, you know, knives. And God, I hate this drill more than that. Put the camera down. Everyone's looking at me like I'm nuts because I said guns and knives. And I remember I was doing the promo class and I said, where I come from, they believe in Tupac more than Santa Claus. And I saw two writers just have this like diffused look on their face when I said it. And I went, oh, yeah, I'm done. Let me just go have my match and I'm, I'll leave. What a lame reason. I mean, come on, throw the guy a bone. Well, honestly, I went in there like, well, fuck it. That was my thinking when I went in there. Like, I feel like everyone always does their best work when they're in the fuck it mode. That's always when people do their best, 100%. But I do feel like at a certain point, when there starts to become more pressure, you've been doing it for a long time and you maybe want to have that moment of that breakout success. Did you ever feel that of like, oh shit, I need to make this connect and work right away or I'm going to have to, I know you did attempt to, you were thinking about retiring at one point, but. Well, I'll tell you the retirement story. I saw something on the other side that bothered me so much that uh, I was drinking a lot of whiskey that night. I saw something on the TV that chapped my ass a little bit, as you can say. I could be a violent person, so I was breaking things in my house after a couple of drinks. And I said, I never wanted to feel like that again, so I think it's time for me to go if something crazy doesn't happen. And then something crazy did happen. My brother, you know, had a kid. And my brother said, how can I tell my son not to quit on anything when his uncle did? Oh, shit. He said it to me right when I was leaving. And I was just giving him the finger the whole time leaving. But that's why I stayed. I guess I felt the pressure was because of, um, yeah, with Cody. Cody was the pressure moment. Right before I went out, that's when I said to myself, fuck it. So you're right. The fucking thing is there. Thank God it kicked in, though, right? Yeah, it was right before. Ugh. Right when the guy at Gorilla, my little my little homeboy at Gorilla that knows that I don't ever want pyro, he said, go. And I went, fuck it. And just started just talking. They had to stop me because I called him Cody Rhodes like three times. I remember I'm all the way in Eddie Kingston mode, you know, which is like, fuck the world. Everybody's against me. Let's do it. So me at 17. And then he, Tony Khan walks out like, all right, cut. And I'm like, what the fuck do you want? And I went, oh, hey, hey, Tony. What's up? What do I have to do? (laughs) Thank God that it kicked in, though, of getting a case of the fuck it. Because if you hadn't, who knows what would have happened? Um, How did it go during the day? Because you and Cody must not have crossed paths prior to that, right? Oh, well, we met each other on the indies when he got let go. But never worked with each other. You know what I mean? And most of it was, hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you doing? It was basically just that day where I really got to know him. I basically told him, I said, I'm going to put pressure on you. I'm going to hit you but you're going to be able to go home to your wife. That's the way I was taught. So (laughs) Minimal facial issues. So getting into some of your promos, I mean, everyone's been giving you accolades for these amazing promos you've been doing, the emotion that's behind them. How much thought do you put into promos before you walk out to the ring? Or is it just off the cusp, kind of go out there and make it happen? I wouldn't say off the cuff because to me, I'm not, to me, off the cuff means you have nothing in your brain. With John, I was like, well, what? I love the guy, so what, what can I do? And I was like, okay, I'm jealous. That's all I put in my head. And then I just went from there. Give yourself that motive and just tear into him. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, I'm jealous of this success. Let me go from there. And then I just built it when I was out there. Uh, what, how did your mom react to getting a little shout out on uh, Dynamite? Give Ruthie a little bit of love. She goes, do I get paid for that, for my name being mentioned? <laughs> That's so 
something my mom would totally and do. My, and my, my mother's Puerto Rican, so she goes, do I get, so do I get paid or no? Do I? <laughs> and then my father behind her, the Irishman going, told you your mother's nuts. My mom is the exact same way. We were filming Total Divas when we did a reality show for a hot second, which was a whole other trip. But my mom was on it a few times. And like, not only was she like, when am I getting paid? She was like, when is my spinoff? Like she was ready to like, she was ready to go be a star. You know what? Respect. I get it. I respect the hustle. Yeah, it was it was her time to shine. And she did a great job. She really did. You'll meet her one day. I'll bring her out to a show. I can't wait. Maybe I could be on her podcast, right? (laughs) Is that when that's going to happen? You know what? She's going to move to Vegas at some point. So I'm sure she'll be she'll be co-hosting this with me at some point. There's there's another chair next to me. I'm sure that she'll be chiming in at some point. One hundred percent. Okay, so you have wrestled literally just about everywhere. Is there anything that's left on your bucket list or a card that you want to turn over of a place that you want to go wrestle and work? Of course, New Japan. But there has to be there's certain guys I want to get in there with. Tanahashi's number one. Stone Cold Steve Austin's my favorite American wrestler. So to me, Tanahashi Stone Cold Steve Austin of New Japan. He saved that company. I want to step into an all Japan pro wrestling ring because I love all Japan pro wrestling. The 90s with the four pillars, Masawa, Tawe, Kawada, and my personal favorite of all time, Kenta Kobashi. But I need this. It's not even a want. I need me versus Jun Akiyama. That would be the cap on everything. What about for like American wrestling? Because I mean, I see you post a lot on social media. I mean, you're obviously such a student of the game and you live and breathe wrestling. Uh, You put out the posts of some of these matches that you're talking about. American wrestling wise, what are some of the standards that you look at? Bret Hart to me is one of the best storytellers and, and most believable guys when I was growing up. And then, like I said, Steve Austin, of course. So everyone loves their WrestleMania 13 match. But for me personally, they're... 96 Survivor Series match at the Garden still to this day blows me away. Also being there too as a kid also helps. When did you fall in love with wrestling? What was like that first tip off moment? You're like, oh shit. Well, uh, there were, there was two moments. One from my poor mother. The only, I'm I'm a high, I was a hyper kid. So the only way to keep me calm was to put on wrestling and have Chinese food. That was the only way I would shut up. And the first wrestler that grabbed me was my mother put on Memphis Bloodiest Brawls. She got it from Video Visions in, in the Bronx and put it in. And I saw Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert fighting with Jerry Lawler. And for some reason, I still can't explain it to this day. I was just sucked in by Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. You know what I mean? So he was the first American wrestler that I was just like, okay, I want to be him. But then I fell out of wrestling and then ECW came along and pulled me right back in. I was 14 years old. All I wanted to see was guys fighting and half-naked women. That's what you are when you're 14. Go to ECW. They had you covered. Yeah, it was the 90s, guys. Don't cancel me. I know it's 2021. It was the 90s. It was a different time. (laughs) Yeah, so that pulled me in. And I just always wanted to be a pro wrestler. So when I got into uh, Local 580, uh, Iron Workers Union in New York. And I was sitting there on my first ever job site, 59th to Columbus. And I just see a bunch of the older guys coughing up a lung, drinking on the job site. And I'm like, is this, is that my future? How old were you then? Like 18? 19. Okay. I just remember going on AOL to dial up because I'm older. And I just put in pro wrestling schools. You're not older. You're like four years older than me, dude. But I look 
at least seven or eight years older than you. Stop it. This is not about you, Brene. We get it. You're pretty. Johnny's lucky. Side story. He tells me that all the time. So don't worry about it. The man loves you. Trust me. He's a sweet boy. To the point where I looked at him one time. I said, all right, bro, we get it. You won. You won the lottery. We get it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I looked up wrestling school and uh, found one in New Jersey. Went there. Got kicked out of there. Why did you get kicked out? I read that on your Wikipedia. This is where I do all my research, by the way. Why did you get kicked out? What happened? The guy was, he taught great basics, but he believed that if you didn't do anything in WWE, you didn't do any, nothing. So again, me, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, Kenta Kobashi, Raven, Shane Douglas, Dreamer, none of them were in WWE. And I would mention them and he'd be like, what they ever do? Blah, blah, blah. So one day I just had it. I was like, what the fuck do you ever do? That was it. I was gone. You hurt his feelings. You you went for the jugular. Who'd you beat, bitch? <laughs> then I remember he put me and my future tag partner, Blackjack Marciano, in the ring against him and another guy, and he started kicking us and stiffing us. And I just remember looking around while he's doing it, going, what the? Really? And I looked over, and I see Jigsaw, who also trained with us, like another Chikara guy. He uh, just was like, please don't do anything. Like, looking at me, don't fight back. I said, motherfucker. And I tagged out, whatever. Then he kicked us out like a day or two later. So you mentioned Chikara, and that's basically where you made your name. So how did that really happen? I mean, you're there in Chikara, and there's all these, like, luchadors, all these high-flying guys. How did you, I mean, I understand how you would stand out given that situation, but how did you thrive at Chikara with, with your different style? Quack's a big comic book guy like me. And he said, Eddie, you're our Punisher. With all these wacky characters, you're the Punisher. And I went, oh, okay. I got it right away. John and I have had this conversation before. Um, I remember he was getting ready for a WrestleMania match, uh, his ladder match that Brody was in. And uh, he desperately wanted to be able to do some kind of a cool move. He's, I remember him going down. So they set up in the, some of the, in the lobby area. They have, uh, they have like the ring set up everyone, the crash pads and all that. And John's like, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to work on doing a moonsault. I was like, <laughs> you're going to go to a fucking moonsault. What? But he was like, he so desperately was like, I want to be able to do something flashy so badly. I didn't go with him. I was like, I can't bear to watch you try and do a moonsault. There's absolutely no way. <laughs> I couldn't either. Being his friend, I'd be like, nah, man, it's not worth it. No, but is that something, especially like when you're in Chikara and especially just the way wrestling is now? I mean, it's all these high spots and these high flyers and these guys doing all these flashy moves. Is that something you ever wish was part of your artillery or is that it's just not your thing? I never wished it because I don't know how those guys survive it. And when they get older, God bless them. I hope it doesn't happen to them. They're going to hurt more than me, I believe. And I've done crazy bumps on the ground, getting killed on concrete and doing things like John did and, you know, the deathmatch stuff. You know what I mean? I've done all that and my body hurts, but those guys, I'm like, their knees are going to be shot. You know what I mean? Before they're 40. Anytime I see someone do like a 450 or something, I'm like, oh my God. I also respect those guys because they can do that. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's why I don't hate it. It may not be what I like to watch, but I will never hate on it. Because I can't do it. Now, if I could do a 450 or a 630 better than one of those guys, then I'll hate on it and be like, bro, you suck. But <laughs> yeah. I can't. But when it comes to my moves, those those weren't the guys that I was attracted to anyway. Again, my favorite wrestler, Kenta Kobashi, the only thing he did was a moonsault. 
Everything else was hard hitting in your face. You know, Steve Austin, same thing. Hard hitting in your face. Terry Gordy, Dr. That Steve Williams, hard hitting in your face. And that's what I always liked. So I was like, I'm going to bring that to my game. Um, all right. We've talked wrestling now for the personal stuff. Mm. <laughs> all right. Your girlfriend, how did you meet her? What's her story? Give me some of uh, give me a little backstory on her. I'm going to give you very little because I don't know how no. much she wants me to give out. Damn it. I don't know how much. She, you'll meet her. You'll meet her one day. Women love to just be put over. Oh, no, no. She already knows how wonderful, how great she is and how I'm amazed every day by her. She amazes me every day because of her drive. Whatever she wants to do, it'll be done. Doesn't matter what it is. Like if she wants to be an astronaut tomorrow, she'll be one. But like she, that's how she motivates me. So I look at her, this little girl, and like, wait a minute, you're a black belt in this. Damn. You were in a rock band here. You studied under gourmet chef here. What? And it's like no big deal to her. And I go, what are you nuts? And she's like, well, you wrestle. I go, that what? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. If she can do it, and for some reason she likes me, then I can do it. How did you guys meet? Uh, she was actually working for a company I was working for, doing like the art directing or whatever it was. And we actually just became friends. I had, I didn't think she had any interest in me. So I just shut down and would just stay a friend. You like, tried to stay in friend zone? Yeah, I would, but I'm a, again, I'm a psychopath. Once I think so, I don't have a shot. I just shut down. Don't even try. We just kept talking, kept being friends. And it's so weird when people say one thing led to another. It's true. That's what it was. One thing led to another. We just stayed friends. And then out of nowhere, I tried this new thing that people have been telling me to try to do for years, which is being open. Oh, that's not easy. No, it's not. So I started being open with her and then realizing, wait a minute, she's not judging me and she's not talking down to me because of, you know, whatever I'm opening up about. And if she thinks it's wrong, we actually have a discussion about it. Adult relationships are amazing. What the right person. Yeah, we're not yelling and screaming. I don't have to worry about her maybe swinging at me or something like we're having a good time. OK, so I'm at a good place. And I know I could be at a better place because let me tell you something. Just Wednesday, I, had, I got mad about something and it ruined my day. And I started getting mad at everything. Boom, 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 One thing after another. So, and I worked on it and, you know, they didn't do the old Eddie, which was nasty to everybody because I was feeling a certain way. And then waiting for someone to say something back to me and then me smacking them and going, hey, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Taking it out. Just call it passionate. You're a passionate man. It's either, I don't know if it's the Irish side of me or the Puerto Rican side or both mixing in there, messing me up. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like when I tell people I'm at a good place, it's that happens and I have to work on things. Hey, you're a human. We're all work. We're all a little work in progress. We've all got shit to work on. No one's perfect. No, nobody is. Nobody is. But that's why I try to tell people, you know what I mean? Look, I'm at this spot because I had to finally grow up. I had to finally stop blaming other people. That coach at the PC don't like me or that guy don't like me or this or that. No, it's all me. What didn't I do? Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the way I look at it now. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you take a little ownership for things and you grow and you learn and you can be reflective about things. But either way, you're in a good place. You've got a great girl. That's good to hear. 
this can be completely separate from her and this is absolutely zero pressure, but you mentioned how important it was for your nephew and now your niece to see you be successful. Do you want to have kids? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to pass down what my uncles and my dad taught me. Like what? Just always being hungry, always wanting to be a fighter, be respectful, love your mother. Uh, what they used to say, they used to say some crazy one-liners to me. They used to say, uh, one God, one country, one woman. And they used to tell me that when I was like five. I'd be like, oh, yeah. It's crazy. That stuff stays really ingrained in your brain. Like it really like that stuff sticks with you. I think about things like that a lot now, especially like having a kid. I'm like, oh my God, what are the things I'm going to say to her that are going to stick with her that are going to be important? Like, fuck. Oh my God. I have to start like filtering everything I say or think. Oh, here we go. Here we (laughs) go. pressure. Yeah. I got real heavy on John once when, when he told me uh, about the situation and I found out before he decided to blurt it out on TV and I uh-huh. remember when he blurted it out I said what, what are you doing <laughs> he was like oh I just needed something I was like alright well good for you but uh, when I found out about it I said man congratulations now you're a full man and now you have the greatest job in the world and he was just like man you just got real heavy I was like my fault <laughs> but that's what I believe I believe being a father would make me a full man and also it'd be the greatest job in the world we spend so much time focusing on ourselves, especially in this line of work, whether it's wrestling or entertainment or whatever, we're our own epicenter for so long. It's cool to hit that point of like, all right, ready to like put the attention on somebody else right now. That's, that's definitely like where I feel like I'm at. I'm over myself. Make somebody else cool. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same, but I got some time because my brother got two kids. So he kind of saved me on that. Good. Dodge the bullet. You're good for a yeah. little bit. Um, so your mom, your dad, and your brother, what's your relationship like with them? Do you get home? To, I guess you can't really get home to see family all that easily right oh, now, no, given the pandemic. Drove down but... here. My mother no drove way. down. Yeah, she drove down to Florida from New York like a mad woman. Hell yes. Her good and my for father. Yeah, they were like, no, I'm going to see you guys oh. on Christmas. I was like, all right. That's the best. Did they just come stay with you? Yeah, yeah. They're staying with me and... Uh, yeah, man. It's mom and dad. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be here without either one of them. But the lessons and I tell you right now, my parents never gave up on me. Yeah. Like every time they had to get me out of the holding, every time I got kicked out of school for fighting, you know what I mean? Every time they would get, I would miss something because of wrestling or I would do something else bad or whatever. You know what I mean? They never gave up. They always bailed me out. Whatever I have now, I like to throw them stuff and have a good time with them. And me and my brother, uh, you know, we're the, we're the same, but we're not. So we didn't talk for a couple of years. Cause we got he older or younger than you. He's younger. Older. Oh, he's younger. younger. Okay. Yeah. So we fought a little bit, didn't talk for a while. Then we got back to talking to each other and it was like, nothing ever happened. That's good family shit. Yeah. Well, that's the way I was raised. You know, when I growing up in the Bronx and the apartment was, my family, right across the hallway was the Puerto Rican side. And like adjacent to us was my Irish grandmother who lived there. So my uncles were there. We were just always stuck tight together. I love that. Yeah, that's that's cool. Your mom and your dad were able to drive down from New York. Hell yeah. Pedal to oh, the she metal. Wasn't having it. She's the mother Thank forever. God. Get ready oh. for that. Get ready to be a mom <laughs> forever. forever now. I was saying that to John last night. I was like, yo, we got to like take care of her forever. Like we're going to know this kid forever. It's, I know it's like such simple terms, but when you really wrap your head around that, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, of course. Yes. But like, I can just picture his reaction now. Oh yeah. 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 
100%. I keep saying like things like that to him that I know are again, like they're very simplistic, but he's like, I can see it sort of resonating with him. Like, holy shit. I was like, dude, we like combined and made a person. What the hell? It's crazy. <laughs> um, okay. So we are in 2021. Uh, things are looking up here for Eddie Kingston. Again, only six ish months into your, uh, into your contract with AEW. It's the year of Eddie Kingston, as I would like to coin it. Um, what else do you want to achieve? What, how do you see the rest of the year shaking down? Well, uh, professionally, I want to be the top guy. There's no other spot that any of us should want, not want, you know, want the most, which is that, you know, uh, top guy. I want to tell great still. I want to fight in there. I want to entertain. I want to tell a good story, all that. Speaking of fighting, I also want to get at least two Muay Thai fights in. I already have two amateur ones. Really? Yeah. Where do you do that out of? Would you do that out of like Orlando or something? Where do you go? Yeah, out of Orlando. Yeah, I trained at uh, American Top Team East Orlando to do Muay Thai. Wow. And uh, they were kickboxing. There's no elbows and knees to the head, but one and one. Never been knocked out, I like to say. Thank God. (laughs) I would like to have maybe three of, well, at least two more in 2021. And honestly, I know this is maybe a pipe dream, but it hit me when I was driving through Jacksonville after the last tapings. Like, I would like to be able to make enough money where I could be like, man, there's a lot of homeless in Jacksonville. There's a lot of homeless in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just find a spot and open up a shelter and be like, yeah, sleep here. I'm not trying to be a good person. Not. It just came to my fucking head when I was driving through. No, I don't have enough money yet to do that. You know what I mean? But, you know, it would be something nice to do. Also, if I'm going to do something for Jacksonville, I, I always believe in taking care of home. So I would like to do something in New York, too. But again, that all comes down to if I'm a top guy, if I got to get to my top guy spot to make that kind of money. Sure, sure, sure. I, I mean, I think that everybody believes that you'll get there. The day that you walk out there with that AEW, now that I know that at least you're not going to be taking it from John, I can feel better about that. Oh, <laughs> I get it. I get you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Mad man. You never know what he's gonna do. So what would you may have it before I know it? What would be your perfect situation of winning the championship? Who would you want it to win it from? It has to be John. That son of a bitch. It has I'm sorry. It has to be John. It has to be in New York. Madison Square Garden. You talk about perfect. That that's what it is. Yeah. Realistically, me and John, New York, Hammerside Ballroom. Sold out Hammerstein Ballroom, a place where I used to go to watch uh, ECW shows, a place where I've wrestled for uh, Ring of Honor and a couple other places before. So, yeah, that perfect scenario. Just got to get back into these crowds, get back on the road. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, man. I mean, that's really just a missing piece at this point, because otherwise those things seem like they can all just come together otherwise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and again, with all the success that you've had, Seems to me, from my observations of Eddie Kingston, this chip on your shoulder seems to be the thing that motivates you. Do you think that that's something, now that you have the contract, you've got the money coming and you're getting the success, do you worry about maintaining that chip or like keeping that motivation? Not at all. I've had this chip since I was a kid. <laughs> not at all. I'm not worried at all. And I used to dare people to try to touch it. You know what I mean? Like I was that guy in the, you know what I mean? But when was the last time you got in like an actual fight? That I haven't been paid for? Yeah. Are we allowed to even talk about that? I don't know. It wasn't nothing crazy. It was just me by myself in Orlando trying to drown the demons at the time. You know what I mean? But they know how to swim. So 
But uh, <laughs> you yeah, got no. your life preservers down there. Yeah, it was just you know two guys making too much noise. Maybe I shouldn't have went out that night if I wanted to be peace and quiet. I kind of started it, and it ended, and that was it. I went home. <laughs> that was that was a good one. I went. At least I got to go home. That was the last one. But the chip on my shoulder is mostly more professional because once. Again, putting it out in the universe, y'all. Once once I get the championship, once I'm the top guy, once I get the world's championship, now it's about maintaining it. Now it's about drawing people. It's the hardest part, right? Once you get to the top, you got to stay there. Yeah, and then that's the next chip on my shoulder and the next goal. And then after that, get it again or get it whatever and then help the younger guys and then do this and do that. You know, there's always something next. Absolutely. Um, all right. Before I let you go here, I just wanted to bring up, cause I mean, I know everybody's seen the amazing promo that you cut backstage. Uh, we saw it on being the elite, um, at, after the Brody Lee tribute show. Um, I mean, you just have such a natural presence and a natural locker room leadership to you, but it seemed like it just came out of nowhere that you were like, no, the people need to hear this. This is important. We all need to love each other and all that. I mean, it was, it was very powerful. I think that it really touched a lot of people that were able to see that. Homicide makes fun of me now because he goes, ah, see you're the locker room leader now. And I'm like, leave me alone. And he'll randomly send me like a picture of something saying boss on it or something. I'm like, Lee, come on. But uh, what was weird was I just had this overwhelming feeling of energy after the show was over. And I was kind of like, no, 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 no. I, I, I feel like I need people to understand why I'm getting this energy. And uh, I just started just yelling because I was like, why can't we do this every week? Why does it take one of our fallen brothers? Like, and I consider Brody a brother. Why does it take him to pass away for us to be this emotional in the ring and bring it out to the people so the people can feel us, you know? And then I'm going on and on and I'm like, oh man, this is really embarrassing. People are looking at me. What the fuck's going on? And then I see the, the camera and you can actually see me see the camera, look at it. And I go, okay, we got to carry it. All right, carry it. And I run away as fast as I can because it's not about that. And I get why they put it up and that's cool. Cause I've done a lot of bad in my past that I don't think like me doing this stuff now is look, look at me. I'm a good boy. I'm a good guy. I, I can give a fuck less because as long as my family knows I'm good, as long as you know what I mean, people who I care about know, hey, Eddie, Eddie has problems, but he's a good person. That's all I care about. I don't care about the masses or the Internet community knowing. You know what I mean? I don't I don't care. Of course. I mean, you could tell that that was like as much as it was for it was for the people in the room. Yeah. And all I, all I care about is just being me. And I always told myself I would stay like that no matter what this business does to me. And that can be a tall task. Yep. Yeah. I've seen it do it to women. Some women I was in love with. It did it to them. It did it to guys who I thought were close personal friends of mine. It just happens. And I don't hate them for it. It just happens. Yeah. It changes you. It changes what you, how you think and who you take care of. And maybe you don't take care of nobody. You just take care of yourself. And, just, and I made sure, look, it's not going to change me. Yeah. Has that hurt me? In my past, yeah, because I've taken it to the extreme. You know what I mean? But I'm happy where I'm at now. And I couldn't do that if I wasn't being myself. Happy but not satisfied. I always got to keep saying that for myself. I love that. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for taking the time. I marked out. I told I told Moxie in, in person uh, on Wednesday. I said, yo, bro, 
you on your wife's podcast, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Hell yes. Hell yes. Again, uh, I'm, I, I'm going to trademark this, but it is the year of Eddie. So everybody buckle the fuck up because it's all happening. This is it. <laughs> By the way, the Bills won. So shout out to the butcher, <laughs> the, the blade bunny. and the bunny, West Side Gun, the butcher, combo, you know what I mean? Hey, Buffalo stand up. That's th- that post that you put on Insta- or on Twitter or Instagram, was that real? The like the billboard? I have no idea. No idea. They someone sent it to me. I said, whatever, I'll make believe it's real. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I thought I was like, wait, is that real? That's cool. If that is real, if, if, I feel kind of bad for Buffalo because Allie's right in the middle. And like, and she's not even from Buffalo. Let's get that right. She's from it. Canada. All right. All she's right. She's one of we ours. She's one of it. ours. We get it. Two of the most beautiful women I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Two of them are from uh, Montreal. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Montreal. No one, Canada no one will ever know. No one will ever know who I'm talking about. Is one of them Maurice? No, no, no. Because <laughs> she's a no I wouldn't oh blame my God, you. I laughed. I laughed real bad. No, no, no. No offense. No offense. She's. She knows she's hot. She can handle it. She's good. Not my type, though. Not my type. Well, I can't wait to find out what your type is when I get to meet your girlfriend and find out more about her because she sounds excellent. Yes. Yes. You'll have a blast with her. Awesome. All right. I'll talk to you later, dude. Thank you. I had a pleasure. Thank you. guy i feel like i could have chatted to eddie um all day i would love to delve more into his his personal life his relationship the romance his family life but i think it's really cool to just be um to just be a viewer watching him do what he does somebody a veteran of this business that's been around for so long to finally have and own that spotlight the way that Eddie Kingston is doing right now. Uh, I wish him absolutely nothing but the best in the future. Not that he needs an ounce of luck from anybody. The dude's just making magic happen no matter which way you look at it. Uh, But yeah, loved having him on. Fantastic dude. Can't wait to see what the future holds for him. He is one of those people that I'm going to have to mark down as, you know, once the world opens back up and we're doing things a little bit more normal and I can get some kind of a studio set up, I would love to have him in studio and really shoot the shit that way. Maybe bring John in for that interview. I would love to see like those two dudes have a little chit chat. There's so much history between the two of them. All right. We want to give another quick shout out here to Apostrophe. They have been amazing and they have sponsored this episode of Oral Sessions. They are a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously, which is anybody that's ever had acne. If you've ever had it, any kind of skin issue, we don't mess around with that. We need to take care of it. Come on. They're calling card. Got to have our skin clear and shining and brilliant. That's the move. So it's prescription acne treatment that it really works. We all know this. If you, if you get the medication, it's going to do the job. It's amazing. The problem is that it's hard to get. You've got to take time off work. You go see a doctor. You sit in line at the pharmacy for your medication. It's blah, blah, blah. All of these things. And all you want is clear skin until there was apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history and then just snap a few selfies and their dermatologist is going to get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. Very specific. Now, the best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications 
so that you can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside in. That's huge. This is huge news. And it can also help you hit other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. So everybody's covered. Dermatologist on hand, specifically tailored to you. It's it's so, so great. One of the things that I loved about Apostrophe uh, is the packaging that it comes in. Not only am I, you know, this box is containing the, the future to my clear, beautiful, shining, bright skin, but it's done up really cute too. I love that. It came with a cute little postcard and stickers that I can put to personalize my prescription bottle. You know, I like that stuff. Give it a little flair, if you will, a little razzle-dazzle. So if you didn't have to go to the pharmacy during COVID to get your medications, I mean, that that alone is fantastic. My pharmacy is a drive through but even that, the line's a nightmare. I'd rather just stay at home and have it delivered to me. So guys, to get 15 bucks off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash Renee, use the code Renee. This code is only available for our listeners. Big time exclusive offer, friendos. Now to get you guys started, go to apostrophe.com slash Renee and click begin visit. Then use the code Renee to sign up and you're going to get $15 off of your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash Renee, R-E-N-E-E. You're going to have to use that code to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. And again, we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. Anyways, big thank you to Eddie Kingston for taking the time to sit down with me. Let me pick his brain for a little while. Uh, I assure you this will not be the last time that you hear from the Mad King here on Oral Sessions. 